just as a review, uh, last week, <clears throat> we're going to read the same opening text that we read last Sunday night. If I can get my iPad to behave. All right, here we go. Uh, but we was in verse 25. Uh, let's just read it, and then I'll r- recap what we said last week and give you a couple of thoughts, and I'll be as brief as I can, because we have a, uh, I'm sorry, it's Deuteronomy chapter 3. Deuteronomy chapter 3, uh, but we have a business meeting, and so when I'm through uh, with our lesson tonight, uh, if uh, you're a visitor, uh, you can dismiss yourself uh, before the church enters into business, but uh, we want to thank each and every one of you. By the way, I want to thank Brother Terry for being here tonight. You'll hear more about this. Would you mind standing up and waving at the church for me, sir? Uh, this is a soul winner for Jesus, amen, and uh You'll hear more about Brother Terry and his ministry in the days and weeks to come, Lord willing. Amen. Uh, I apologize that time is crunched tonight, but we'll give you uh, ample time down the road, my brother. Verse number 25, Deuteronomy chapter 3. I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan and that goodly mountain in Lebanon. This is Moses uh, talking to the Lord. And then look what happens. But the Lord, the Bible says, was wroth with me, Moses said, for your sakes. He's now talking to the children of Israel. Uh, and said, would not hear me. And the Lord said unto me, let it suffice thee. Speak no more unto me of this matter. Get thee up into the top of Pisgah, and lift up thine eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward, and behold it with thine eyes, for thou shalt not go over this Jordan. But charge Joshua, and encourage him, and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see." And so uh, last week we talked about how that uh, Moses had forfeited his uh, opportunity to cross over into the promised land over something that he did that was disobedient uh, to the Lord. When the Lord told him to speak to the rock, he not only spoke to it, but he smote it. And and the Lord didn't tell him to smite the rock that time. Amen. Amen. Uh, but Moses put his own flair into it, and sometimes we as preachers, if we're not careful, we'll put our flair into what God told us to say, and a little leaven leaven at the whole lump, and we ruin the whole thing. Amen? we got to make sure that Jacob is not preaching, but Israel is preaching when we get up in our pulpit. That is, don't let the carnal man get in the way, but let the spiritual man be led by the Spirit of God. Amen? Uh, it's important for us as preachers to be careful of that, but it's also important for you as congregational members to uh, to be also mindful of the same thing that uh that and and know that God don't need your help. He just needs your complete and exact obedience, right? God already has the strategy. He don't need you to help him out. Uh you're not going to give God any success tips that will help him do a better job. Amen. And a lot of times we think we can help God out and and so uh and that's where a lot of times a generational breakdown occurs. When we fail to pass our faith to the next generation because we're trying to mix what God said do with what we think is best. And when we mix our weak mortar in with the strength of God's Word, it weakens it, right? Because the moment you change God's Word, it's no longer God's Word. Amen. 
Uh, you can't change the Word of God and expect to get any results. You can't uh, tweak what God told you to do and say, okay, God, I, I hear you, but I think maybe if we do it this way. Don't modify your instructions from heaven. Amen. Because when you do, you will fail to reach the next generation. God's Word was not designed for us to tinker with. His instructions were not designed for us to make recommendations and amendments, right? God is not uh, waiting for us to form a committee meeting to inform Him what He got wrong and how He should improve it based upon our opinions, right? And so a lot of times we fail to reach the next generation because we're doing it all wrong. If we just go back to the book and read what He said to start with, He still hasn't changed His mind about what He wants done, amen? How He wants it done, how He wants it preached, And so Moses, unfortunately, forfeited his opportunity to go into the promised land because of some disobedience in his life and that bunch of Baptists that drove him mad and crazy. Amen. (laughs) Right. Uh, Hallelujah. And uh, and so, uh, I mean, mean, just read the text. Notice he said, but the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes. He said, before I take all the blame, I want you to know you pushed all the wrong buttons. Amen. And anyway, uh, it's important for all of us, pastor, congregation, to hear what God says and not to modify it, but just be obedient to it, right? And uh, and so uh, we we talked about how that we need to revise our vision. Uh, God told uh, Moses, "Get thee up into the top of Pisgah," and that spoke to me of changing your position so that you can change your perspective. A lot of times our thinking's too low, right? And we have to get our thinking elevated to the height of Scripture, right? Elevated to the height. I, I promise you, when you begin being obedient to the Lord, it's not a downgrade, it's an upgrade, right? We need to get our thinking upward. And uh, a lot of times we, uh, we become defeated in self-pity, uh, especially when we're talking about a generational gap, the older generation gets frustrated because the younger generation just don't get it, right? And, and we get down in the mouth and sarcastic and downright mean and ugly about it sometimes rather than trying to extend an olive branch and actually br- build a bridge between our generation and theirs. And it's difficult to do sometimes, especially when they don't know the value of what it is you're trying to offer them. But that still doesn't give us the excuse not to try. Amen. And so uh, Moses didn't need to put his flare into smiting the rock. He didn't need that. It was completely unnecessary. Amen. Sometimes we think we can beat this into the kids. You smiting them may be what runs them off. You hear what I'm saying? He that wins souls is wise. You can't just. You can't just beat somebody upside the head with the Bible and expect them to appreciate it, right? A lot of times we just want to wring them by the neck, don't we? We just like, can we just slap some sense into it? No, you actually can't, okay? I hate to inform you of that. But anyway, Moses was sitting there trying to reach the next generation, and of course he forfeited his right. But the good news is God had another man to take the charge. God was not through, even though Moses might have been through with that bunch, God was not through with that bunch. And just because you might be through with your, the younger generation don't mean God is, right? And so uh, we learned then that sometimes we got to up our thinking. we got to change our perspective if we're going to actually uh, invest what we have left of our generation into the next to ensure their success. So we got to think outwardly. Uh, he said, look uh, north, south, 
east and west. You, you can't be inward focused. A lot of churches dry up on the vine and die because they're thinking about me and mine. And they're not thinking about anything beyond the four walls of their organized church structure. But Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And your church, tomorrow's church, you want to know where they're at? They're probably still out there right now. And we got to go get them. Amen. And I know that we've got some that are here, some that are saved, some that are not yet saved, but they're on the burner. Praise God. And we're going to pray and preach and believe God that they're going to come on in soon. Amen. But we've got to continually think outwardly and don't just be in maintenance mode as a church. What can we do to keep the light bill paid? Amen. What can we do uh, to make sure we don't go over budget? And we're looking for things, ways not to spend money rather than th- ways to expand our, uh, our ministry and grow our outreach a lot of times. And we got to think outwardly. We talked about inward reflection. Uh, uh, he said, behold it with thine eyes. He made Moses take an inward close look with his own eyeballs at what God was fixing to do through the next generation. And we got to be careful uh if, if, if we're in the older generation, we've got to be careful not to be so cynical that we just lose all hope. The assumption can be, well, there's just nobody to carry on the torch. And so we just, we just uh, I guess, sit up and die. I don't know. What, what do you propose, right, when you got that attitude? Uh, all hope is not lost. There's a whole generation looking around it. There's a bunch of kids in church even tonight. And there were a bunch this morning. There's a whole generation that's uh, desperately needing somebody to tell them where they can be loved and accepted in the kingdom of God. Amen. And all you got to do is just give them a little flicker of hope and, and praise. I, I thank God I was one of them. I was raised in probably uh, the family that was least likely to succeed in Trapeel, North Carolina. It was a pitiful sight. To behold, but God, who was rich in mercy, loved us. Amen. And He scooped us up off the bottom and set our feet upon a solid rock and made something out of us that we couldn't make for ourselves. And, and God did that for me and God did that for my family. Look what a glorious God that we serve that He can take somebody that feels worthless, hopeless, and helpless and put hope in them and call them. Amen. And put them in the ministry. I'm telling you, we got to give our young people some hope for their generation. Amen. And don't let your uh cynical don't let cynicism destroy your spirit i won't put it that way i don't want to assume that you're cynical i just want to say that we need to be cautioned against the temptation of becoming cynical we can get so foul-mouthed about the way the world is turning the way all well, all the young people gone to hell no they ain't not yet and what are you doing to stop them hello amen, amen. and so uh moses had to realize okay my time's coming to an end. It's time to commission the next generation. And so uh, we talked about that, and I want to give you just a couple more thoughts tonight, and then we'll have our business meeting. I want to say tonight, though, I want to focus on this, and this part of my series is, is entitled Releasing the Joshua Generation. Okay? And so uh, last week we talked about revising your, our vision, but tonight I want to talk briefly about recognizing and reaching our limits and our meaning the older generation recognizing and reaching your limits look what god told moses again he said for thou shalt not go over this jordan 
Let me put it to you this way. There's some things that you're just not going to be able to do. And there's some things that I'm just not going to be able to do. With our age, our experience, we have a different reality than a lot of the young people coming up. And there's only so much we can do. And there's there's places that they'll be able to go with the gospel that we would not be able to go. See, You see that? He said, you're not going to go over this, Jordan. And so you've got to recognize your limits. But you also got to fully reach your limits. Just because you're limited don't mean you're dead. Do what you can do. And don't focus so much on what you can't do. What if Moses just had a pity party and just quit on God that day? Well, if I can't go over Jordan, I just might as well die right now. But that's the attitude of a lot of older people today. They say, well, uh, if and, 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 and they get mad at the young people because uh, they don't like the same music and they don't like this and they don't do it that way and they don't think the same. And if we can't do church the way we did in 1950, we might as well not even have church. Well, you go ahead and stay in your stubborn way if you want to, but you'll never reach them with that attitude. Now, I'm not talking about changing the message. I'm not talking about changing the Bible. I'm just talking about getting with the times. Amen. I'm just talking about realizing that this generation cannot, does not, will not ever relate to our realities that we had when we grew up. We've got to meet them where they're at, not demand them to come to where we were that we can't even go anymore. So you've got to try to bridge the gap by coming to a place of understanding. Okay, here's what you do. You assess where they're at. And you use the wisdom, knowledge, and experience and, and the Word of God that God has poured into you to invest in them in a way that can be transposed to where they're at. Right? You figure it out, but you keep an open line of communication. And you let them know that you love them, that you're there for them, that you're in their corner, that you will fight at the gate of hell on their behalf if you need be, but you will not let them go without a fight. And if you'll give them that impression, you can bless the Joshua generation. And even though you may be dead and gone on the wheels of the Lord 10, 15, 20 years down the road, your legacy will live on through Joshua because you was willing to connect with them and send them on with your blessing rather than sitting and sulking because they just don't see it your way. Amen. And so we've got to be willing to uh, make some adjustments. And we're working on that, ain't we, church? We've got to recognize our limits, but reach our limits. So you go as far as you can go. Uh, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. If it's not dead yet, don't let it die. Amen. I preached a message one time on spiritual CPR, right? There, there's, there's some things in our church about ready to die, but they still got some breath in it. You might as well pray and ask God to breathe. Uh, breathe into our nostrils the breath of life and bring it back alive again before it completely dies out, right? And there's no need for this church or any other church that believes in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to ever experience a death. Amen. A church should never die. They should always be able to live on. And when they die, it's because we often don't reach our limits because we're not willing to accept the fact that it's just not going to always go our way. Amen. And so uh, we got to go as far as we can go. Am I making sense to you? Uh, we got to do as much as we can do. 
And then I want to say this, we've got to resolve to be satisfied with the results. Uh, don't try to go where you're not meant to go, but make a difference where you can. Um, Paul said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians 9.26, if you want the reference. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. In other words, I, I'm on a mission. I've got an objective. I've got a goal in mind. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. I'm not just uh, swinging empty punches at air. I'm, I'm aiming to hit something. Right? I'm aiming to hit something. And I preached about it this morning, how it's important for a church to have a vision. And that vision is the word and vision that God has for you. It's not one that you just adopt for yourself. Right? Because that word vision literally meant a current word of God for you. If you really study it and look, study it out and look at it deeply. We need the vision of God. We need to have a mission in mind. Uh, David asked it this way on the battlefield. Is there not a cause? I, I want to say it this way. There's a reason that we do what we do. We're here to do business for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. To do business with God and to do business for God. And to me, I, I don't know, I can't speak for anybody else, but this, uh, my prayer is that this never becomes just an average, ordinary, religious Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, rut and routine that doesn't ever produce any spiritual life or vitality in me or my kids or grandkids in the future. That when we meet, we meet to meet with God. When we come, we come to hear a word from God and not just hear it, but do the word of God. Because the Bible says, he that heareth the word and doeth it not, he's deceived. Right? We need to not just hear it, but do it. And we need to recognize our limits, church. But we need to be sure that we reach them nonetheless. So do what you can. Find out. And, and for some of you, you have a tremendous prayer ministry. And I don't think there could be a more significant ministry in the church than a, a, a spirit-filled believer calling on heaven on behalf of the saints and the sinners alike. Amen. You will move more through prayer than you will through preaching or personal soul winning or anything else. Now, we need it all, don't we? But prayer is like the backbone with, without which we cannot survive. So you can pray. You can encourage. You can speak words of life. Um, I'm focusing, uh, we're, we're quickly focusing on what we're going to try to pull off is what I call a generation next meeting. Where the emphasis is to reach the next generation with the blessing of the current generation. So the idea is not to just drop your kids off and then come back and pick them up after the meeting's over, but to show up and be on the scene with them so that you can speak life into them, so that you can be an influence in their life, so that you can be present and accounted for in their spiritual growth and development, and they can get the cheers of their parents as they fan the flames of revival in the hearts of their kids. I've seen and heard of, tell many times where kids would go off to a youth camp and come back on fire for God, only for that fire to be stifled by backslidden parents who think that they got too religious while they was gone. God help you if you douse the flames of revival in your in your kids' hearts. I, it breaks my heart. I know 
I know of a, a family today that they had a daughter that wanted to come and give her life to Christ. But the parents said, you're too young. And that little girl then, who's now a full-grown teenage young lady, is still not in church, still watching her mom and dad live it up, do the, what the world the way the world does the world. And now she's found another appetite, trying to fit in with the world. Because the parents said, you're too young, and they doused the flame. If God's speaking to your child, you better just shut up and get out of the way. You better just let God speak to them. And if you're afraid to talk to them about it, send them to somebody that will encourage them in their walk with God. But don't you dare speak against what God's saying to your kids. And they're not too small for God to speak to. I've heard of them speak to them at three years old. Amen. You say, well, that don't happen. How do you know? Suffer the little children, forbid them not to come in and be for such is the kingdom of God. God said, bring them all, the kids and everything. Especially the kids, because they get it quicker than most of us hard-headed adults do. Amen. They don't have to struggle and labor over whether or not they should believe in this God. It's just, they, they're just simple childlike faith. They're like, okay, well, if that's what I need to do to get saved, then let's do it. Let's get on with it. Amen. We need to get them kids in here and we need to get them under the gospel and we need to fan the flames. And I love somebody that's got some zeal for the Lord. Brother Terry, let me tell you something. You can tell when somebody's got a zeal for God because their zeal makes others nervous. Amen. And you ought to have some strong Christians in your life that make you nervous when you hang around them. And your kids, if they get so far on fire for God that they make you pale in comparison and it makes you a little bit uncomfortable, don't stand in their way. Just get right. Just get right. And if you can't get right, don't make them go wrong. You hear what I'm saying? I'm talking about reaching the next generation, but they're going to need your participation. They're going to need your involvement. Don't become a stumbling block to their growth and development in the Lord. In their pursuit of Him. So we, we've got to do it. So, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it under subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What Paul is saying is i got to keep myself restrained. i got to keep myself on a short leash so that I don't get in the way of the gospel message. And we've got to keep ourselves on a short leash. Or we will become the stumbling block that hinders our kids from going wide open and all the way for Jesus because we're not willing to go wide open and all the way for Jesus. Unfortunately, most Christians today want just a little dab of religion. Just enough to make them feel good or better about themselves. Uh, ease their conscience. I know I'm supposed to be in church, so I'll go. And, and not realizing that God doesn't need no part-time help. Amen. I'll give credit to my father-in-law, Randall Boatner, for that. Amen. Good old-fashioned leather-lung, hellfire and brimstone preacher. Amen. And uh, he said God don't need no part-time help. So we got to recognize and reach our limits. But now listen, I want to close with this thought. And, and we'll continue this next week on releasing your influence. But uh, 
Don't think of your limits as the end. Your limits, if you reach them, can become the beginning of your greatest influence. What you leave for the next generation can live on and do a lot more than you could have ever done in your entire lifetime. Don't feel sorry for yourself because you've seen your best days and you've spent your uh, youngest years already and now you're just uh, uh, silver-headed and waiting for the, the sun to, uh, to set on your life and to call you home. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Your greatest impactful years could be just ahead of you because you now have the opportunity to seek uh, ways and means by which to leave a lasting impression where he being dead yet speaketh. Amen. And what you are remembered for can have more influence tomorrow than who you are today. So what do you want them to remember you for? An encourager? A person of faith? Amen. A blessing? Or just a cynical old person that's tired and wore out and got the mullet grubs about everything and nobody can stand to be around you? Amen. And I don't think that we got anybody like that in this building tonight, and I thank God for it. But listen, the temptation with all the struggles that we have in life is sometimes is to get down to the dumps. And we just get overwhelmed with the task that's at hand. I mean, it's overwhelming. Look at the mess our country's in. I get, I get questioned all the time, preacher, what can one do? What can we do? Well, I know one thing, we can't fix it. But I know the one that can And I know the one that knows the way out. And if we'll follow him every step of the way, we'll get through this season. Amen. We'll get through it. But we've got to be willing to make that contribution to the next generation and reach our limits so that we can release our greatest influence that will live on to become a legacy for future generations. Amen, church. Amen. Releasing the Joshua generation. More on that next Sunday night. We're going to close in a word of prayer, and then we'll uh, turn it over to, I guess, Brother Ron to lead us in the business meeting. And uh, while I'm praying, if you need to slip on out as a visitor, you're welcome to do so. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you for the word that you've spoken to us tonight. Lord, uh, we pray that you would help us, Father, to find the ways that we can be, be most influential in the lives of our children, our grandchildren, for some of us, our great-grandchildren. Lord, to make the most lasting and long-living impact that we possibly can. And God, we're not going to do it feeding the flesh. And we're not going to do it living the ways of the world. We're going to do it by pursuing you. Lord, by investing our heart and our life and our resources into the kingdom of God and defending and living and reading and believing the word of God. So help us, Lord, to be real. And if we're not real, to get real, get right. Lord, continue to do your work, mend broken relationships in our families that have hindered us from being able to see our children Come to know you, Lord, whatever the de- whatever roadblocks the devil's putting in front of our kids, 
that are keeping them from coming to the cross and giving their life to Christ. Lord, I I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And I ask you, Father, that you will begin to break down the barriers that are prohibiting people and hindering people from coming to Christ. Lord, even if that barrier is me, oh God, get me out of the way so they can get to Jesus. And if that barrier is any one of us, help us to step out of the way and step aside to let others come to you. Set our souls on fire and grow your church as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.